Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. Acts chapter 20. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months. Because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sophater, son of Pyrrhus, from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, and Tychicus and Trimophius from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Asos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. When he met us at Asos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day we set sail from there and arrived off Chios. The day after that we crossed over to Samos, and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to the Lord in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Holy Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have ever gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. 
keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after themselves. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you day and night with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. We're continuing with Paul's third missionary journey in this chapter. In verse 2, it says, He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people. And so this was his practice, to encourage the believers, to preach the gospel, bring in new believers, to build the church, to set leaders in place, and to bring words of encouragement. He stayed there three months in Greece because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to sail for Syria. He decided to go back through Macedonia. So Paul's life was one of persecution and hardship, often facing uh, death plots and death threats. In verse 6, we read, But we sailed from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread. Of course, Luke is writing this, Dr. Luke, and he puts himself in the narrative in verse 6, saying that he was sailing with Paul from Philippi, and five days later they joined others at Troas, where we stayed seven days, Luke says. So Paul's uh, traveling companion and the, the author of this book, Luke, was there in the midst of the narrative at Philippi and uh, Troas. Verse 7, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Once again, Dr. Luke is among them. But notice the day that they're meeting. This is the first day of the week. They came together to break bread. Now, the first day of the week is uh, Sunday. The seventh day of the week is Saturday. The Jews met on the Sabbath, the official Sabbath. The Christians in the first century met the first day of the week in celebration of the death, burial, and resurrection on the first day of the week of Jesus Christ. And so this meeting on the first day of the week was common practice in Christianity, although at this same period of time, Jews that were able and were welcome were still meeting in the synagogues on the Sabbath as well. So they met both days, the Sabbath in synagogue worship and the first day of the week as Christians to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Uh, this is still a controversy in our generation. I don't have a problem with anybody that wants to hold the Sabbath sacred. It's not an issue. I do have a problem for those who say that Christians can't worship on the first day of the week. And the reason I have a problem with that is because clearly it's a New Testament pattern. It's not exclusive in the New Testament, as I just mentioned, because they also met in the synagogues when they were allowed until they were no longer allowed. 
But they met the first day of the week to break bread together, to receive communion and teachings, and also to receive offerings we find in some of Paul's later writings in his letters. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking till after midnight. This was uh, before recording devices and before sound systems and all that. Paul was operating under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and he taught for hours and hours and hours. And just like in our time, if someone teaches, goes on too long, people fall asleep. So here in verse 9, we read, Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. I love that from Dr. Luke. He talked on and on. You know, the never-ending gospel, the everlasting gospel. And when Eutychus was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third-story window and was picked up dead. And so this terrible tragedy among these believers um, this young man, Eutychus, is there listening to the words of God from the mouth of Paul, and he falls out of a window and dies from the impact with the ground. But it's not over. Paul goes down, throws himself on the young man, puts his arms around him, tells the crowd not to be alarmed, and announces he's alive. And indeed, he is alive. They go back upstairs and break bread and eat, and uh, Paul continues to talk until daylight. Verse 12 says, the people took the young man home alive, and they were greatly comforted. Now, this is one of a number of resurrections from the dead in the New Testament. It's the first one we have related to Paul. There are resurrections at the hands of Jesus, one at the hand of Peter. Here we have one at the hand of Paul. And so this young man, Eutychus, was raised from the dead. This was not just the wind knocked out of him. He was dead. And the Lord raised him back to life. Paul goes on to speak about his destiny and the moving of the Holy Spirit in his life. You see, every city that he went to, the believers were trying to talk him out of going to Jerusalem. In verse 22, he said, Now, compelled by the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So Paul was well aware that if he went to Jerusalem, he was going to be uh, incarcerated and uh, face hardships, which in fact he was. But he had set his face to go to Jerusalem because in spite of the opposition, the Holy Spirit was leading him to go there. Now, friends, some teach that God will deliver you from all trouble. Here, the Spirit of God was leading Paul into trouble in the natural, but it was for the purposes of the kingdom of God that Paul would go into Jerusalem and later be carried to Rome in chains so that he could minister and witness to the truth of Jesus Christ. Paul had the right attitude. Verse 24, he said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the good news of God's grace. And so what higher standard can any of us have? Nobody gets out of this life alive. Our lives are worth nothing to us, except in as much as they're worth something from the kingdom's perspective. Our lives are to give glory to Jesus Christ. Our task is to testify about the good news of God's grace. And whether it costs us our lives or not, we need to go where the Holy Spirit leads. If we have to go somewhere that we might face prison and hardships, we need to remember the words of Paul that our lives are worth nothing to us, except that our only aim would be to finish the race and to complete the task that Jesus has given us. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged by these words of Paul and not daunted by the standard that he set. Lord, just as Paul's destiny was 
foreordained by the Holy Spirit and explained to him, he didn't back away from it. He didn't back away from the destiny to go to Rome and to be tried and ultimately executed. He ran his race. Lord, may we run ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.